0: Hey there, Amanda Smith here. Happy to be back with another edition of How She Did It. Thank you so much for joining me. Make sure you hit that subscribe button if you haven't already. So if you follow me on social media, you know that before I record every episode, I always put out a post giving you guys the chance to ask that week's guest some questions. And this week, there was one question that I was repeatedly sent. Can she call every game? Across nearly three decades, she has been a top commentator for men's and women's college hoops, the WNBA, and now as the first woman to be in a regular national game analyst role in the NBA. We hope every time we flip on ESPN for game night, we see her there. Here is the one and only Doris Burke. Hey everybody Smith here with Doris Burke. Yes. I had to like reality check myself really quick because this is Doris Burke on my screen. Thank you so much for making time to join me on my show today.
1: Oh, I'm excited. Uh, I can't wait. Looking forward to it.
0: I have to tell you, we met very briefly last NBA season and you I was, so, yes. Okay. She remembers. I was so excited to meet you that I genuinely don't remember anything that I said. So I'm happy that this time it's on recording and I can watch it back.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, David Locke is a great friend. Our our friendship goes back to when he was uh, broadcasting in Seattle. He broadcast both NBA and WNBA teams there and he's been a passionate basketball fan and a good friend of mine. So once he sort of gave you the thumbs up, we're good to go.
0: David, thank you for my job and for the thumbs up to Doris. Appreciate you all. I'll pay you back later. (laughs) So you started broadcasting back in 1992, Mm -hmm. calling Providence College women's basketball games. When you reflect on what it's taken to get here, now calling NBA games, what do you think about
1: Uh, that's a great question. You know, I don't know that in the, since whatever that lapse of time is 1992 to now, I ever really considered, um, the progress I was making. I was just getting a slate of games every single year. And my approach was always, let's just do the absolute best job on the game directly in front of me and let the chips fall where they may. And and to be honest, once the ball is tipped up and it hasn't mattered if it's been Uh, women's college basketball, men's college basketball are now my journey to the NBA. It doesn't matter. I am really psyched to be there. I'm doing my absolute best to try to make sure the fan who might be tuning into the game feels as close to the action as I am lucky to be. Uh, So I don't know what it's taken to get there. It's been a long journey of a very fun, exciting, great journey.
0: You know, you are so loved and well-respected within the game and in sports in general, but you have said that you don't know if you consciously let yourself even really dream about getting to this level that you are now at. What has surprised you most about what you've been able to accomplish?
1: Boy, that's a great question. And again, I don't know that I really look at it through that prism of what I've accomplished. I, I do appreciate that young uh, female journalists like yourself and others may come up to me in the course of a game or in passing. And um, I love how confident, how prepared, how poised. I just feel like the dis side in terms of broadcasting is in incredibly good hands. But I appreciate that you all think somehow I have, in some small way, helped. I've often told my daughter that I miss coaching because I was directly influencing lives, I felt like at that point when I was a coach at Providence College. Um, I, I think the thing that has surprised me the most is probably the acceptance I have received inside the game. And this is going back, Amanda, to starting. You know, at the formation of my career, and within maybe four or five years of starting, maybe even earlier than that, I started to do a little men's college basketball. And then the men's coaches and the NBA coaches and the NBA players, what surprised me the most is that when the conversation has turned to the game, my gender has gone out the window. That basketball is this sort of unifying force to people. There's a writer here in Providence, he wrote a, 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 a book with uh, Rick Pitino, uh, his name is Bill Reynolds, he's written a couple of books, if I'm not mistaken, and one of the things I remember him saying in a column that he wrote, he said, basketball is a game that gets in your blood, and it never leaves, and so maybe the thing that surprised me the most is how unifying the game can be.
0: You said that your broadcasting career had just happens to be a happy accident. Correct. Like, how did that all start?
1: It's almost comical if you could have seen me as a player at Providence College because, and I've kind of told the story, but bad hair, bad clothes, bad skin, bad teeth. <laughs> you, you name it, I had it going for me. But the one thing I would say is right between those four lines is the place I always felt most confident. But the idea of... Public speaking. If I had to in college, you know, give a presentation in front of the class, I wouldn't sleep for a week. And (laughs) and remarkably, Amanda, to to this day, public speaking makes me nervous. And I think probably your listeners can appreciate this. Anybody who gets nervous in front of a live group. um, But it was a happy accident. I leave coaching, I'm engaged to be married. I did not think I could be a great coach and be at home to raise my children, which I wanted to be, be able to stay home for at least part of my career or part of my young children's lives. And I, it was a happy accident. The year I leave coaching Providence College as an assistant, they put women's basketball on radio. And the athletics director at the time said, why don't you give this a try? You've played here. You've coached here. Give it a whirl. And really that was the formation of, or the, you know, the, the moment where I started in the business, I got very lucky.
0: You know, you had mentioned that you appreciate maybe the influence you've had on young females or people that come up to you within the industry. I have had some phenomenal women on this show and we often talk about people that inspire or have influenced them in their career. Mm -hmm. Your name is always on that list. It's on my list. <laughs> well,
1: thank you.
0: What do you feel knowing that this part of your story, the barriers that you've helped to break and the trail that you've blazed, has given strength and belief to the women behind you that they can succeed too?
1: Yeah, You first of all, you could make me emotional and make me cry a little bit about that because I never anticipated that. And uh, certainly it wasn't what I set out to do. Again, my whole focus, my entire career, is, what is my next game? How do I best prepare for that next game? And so that's been my focus. Um, but it, it's moving me that somehow, in some way, somebody has maybe taken a little bit of hope or inspiration, or, "Oh shoot, she's in that position." Like, you know, Jackie McMullen tells the story of being uh, a writer on press row at the Boston Garden. And she's the only one for miles and miles and miles. There's one woman. And various things that were said to her over that time. Or a woman like Susan Waldman, who literally had such tough times in some baseball locker rooms that she was on the verge of tears and was going to leave because she said, I'm can't. i can't, I'm not tough enough to fight this. And so if in some way... As I drew strength from the path laid before me, somebody takes strength from hopefully me, my footsteps, sort of pushing that path down the way those predecessors did. Then I say, all right, amen to that.
0: You've got me emotional a little bit because, you know, I have watched you for so long and, and to have you, you know, take the time to do this with me. It's surreal. So, guys, we're going to take a quick break. I'm going to wipe off my eyeball, and we'll be right back to, to play a game of One Word with Doris Burke. Stick around. We'll come back on Inside How She Did It here with Doris Burke. So, NBA season is upon us. So, in honor of that, we are going to play a round of One Word NBA Edition. So, I will give you an NBA-related topic, and then you can only give me one word okay. to describe said topic. Okay, <laughs> okay, the L.A. teams. Compelling. LeBron James.
1: One word only. You realize that's I've it. watched all 17 of the seasons. Um, <laughs> man, one word, that's so hard. Historic.
0: That's why this game is fun. <laughs> I'm just it, kidding. It's great.
1: <laughs> I love it. I'm I'm sorry, I'm not faster. I assume I should be faster than your No,
0: this one gets you thinking. I played this with Cassidy Hubbarth and oh. she like had to take take a second. <laughs> yeah. Okay, okay. Okay. Zion Williamson.
1: Effervescent.
0: Oh nice. I'm gonna look that up later. No, I'm just kidding. I know what it means, everybody. <laughs> NBA fans. Passionate how about distracts <laughs>
1: oh man distracts <laughs> hysterical
0: <laughs> last one my guy drake
1: handsome oh <laughs> i was going to say sexy but handsome will do
0: <laughs> oh my gosh i am deceased <laughs> And on that note, everybody, we're taking another break. Don't go anywhere next Dorius is answering your questions. <laughs> are you tired of looking for your phone, dropping it or having to carry it around on your hand all the time? With Hobbesy, you can wear your phone by a crossbody strap attached to the phone case. Hobbesy makes practicality look good. Phone case necklaces have been a huge success in Europe and are finally available in the U.S., Visit www.hoobsy.com and save 20% using the code LOCKED. That's www.ho-b-s-y.com and the code LOCKED to save 20% and see for yourself how a hoobsy phone case necklace will simplify your life. Just check where your phone is now. Are you carrying it in your hand? Is it lying around where you can't reach it? Or will you have to look for it later? Maybe it's lost in the depth of your bag somewhere wear your phone on you with a hoopsie phone case visit www.hoopsie.com h-o-o-b-s-y dot com and be quick to save 20 percent using the code locked by the way hoopsie phone case necklaces are the perfect gift at an affordable price friends will love you for a super useful gift have your hands free but be spontaneous to take pictures or make quick calls and never look for your phone again Check out hoopsie.com for yourself or a great present to your friends. And remember, be quick and save 20% using the code LOCKED at hoopsie.com. Thank you to everyone who submitted a question for Doris this week. No surprise here. I'm not going to be able to ask all of the questions. Otherwise, we would be here for three hours, as much as (laughs) I would love for that to happen. (laughs) But first up, we've got Tyson Ewing. And he says, uh, Doris, everyone has a different meaning of the word successful. As you've excelled in your career, what does success mean to you?
1: Boy, that's a great question. It's funny that he asked this because I talk to my son about success all the time. I think society probably puts a, a great amount of pressure on us in terms of, you know, financial remuneration. I would say, uh, job satisfaction is an important component of success, and some type of meaning. Um, I, I, I said early in my career that um, uh, number one, I used to say two things. Number one, I'm not sure I had a personality that was, you know, a good match for the business. And and number two, um, I would say success to me is about finding some satisfaction and some meaning in what you do.
0: How do you feel that you personally found that within the career you've been able to develop?
1: Yeah. Um, I have found enormous joy and satisfaction in my career. It's not been without challenges when my children were young, you know, and my son was sort of standing at the door and with a sad face on and sort of upset that mom was leaving, I could get emotional again. Those times were not easy. Um, You know, God, you got that's twice, Amanda. You've made me emotional. Um, um, But I, I, you know what? I do think there was real value and great lessons for both my daughter and my son, both of whom seem to be on a good path in terms of finding their happiness. So that makes me happy.
0: You make everyone around you happy. (laughs) I wish I could give you a hug. (laughs) (laughs) Next up, Sally Lowe would like to know who is someone that has been a mentor and coach to you?
1: You know, I don't know if I would say in the business that, you know, from the TV business, he's been a mentor, but somebody who's given me great confidence in this business is Jeff Van Gundy. You know, I didn't play in the NBA, obviously. I haven't coached in the NBA, obviously. So there have been some sort of natural insecurities, I think, in trying to do, especially the analyst role in the NBA, but I think you know, for Jeff, it's always like, what's your preparation level? Uh, you know and and be yourself. And so I've always appreciated sort of his support and uh, and uh, confidence that he's given me.
0: He really pushed you to reach out to the NBA producers and and tell them, like, I want to be considered for these games, Yeah.
1: Yeah, I think, you know, Jeff, had, because our association goes back so long, when Jeff was a graduate assistant at Providence College, I was a player. And, uh, you know, he was grinding as a coach even back then. And, uh, and yes, you know, I think for him, it's always like, you know, you should be pushing and working and striving and, and doing those things. So, yes, Um You know, he's like, you should want to be a color analyst. You're a color analyst on men's college and women's college. Why not push to be an analyst on this? So, yes, the answer to that is yes.
0: Well, speaking of kind of the preparation that he maybe has asked you about or or pushed you towards talks with Gundy, would like to know what does that preparation look like for you going into game week?
1: Um, So... I would say it's sort of a year long thing where, I mean, maybe not year long, but as soon as the NBA season tips off, you know, so Houston played in their preseason game. I don't know how much value there was in that game last night, given the score Um, and the number (laughs) of what, you know, James Tarden plays 21 minutes, et cetera. Russell doesn't play. But for me on a typical non game night, for me, I would be at home and I'd watch probably two games, one East, one West. Um, in the daytime, I get one email that has basically all the articles from across the league, so I'd be reading as much of those as I could, focusing heavily on whoever is coming up on my schedule, and then driving my video watching. We have access to something called Second Spectrum, um, uh, which is sort of a new, uh, it's, they basically changed their system this year, but you can access video, you can access numbers. The one thing I would say that is changed drastically since 1992 is the amount of information and how quickly you can access it. NBA.com has incredible stats available to you. If you want to know how, how many miles CJ McCollum ran in last night's game, well, guess what? You can basically hit a few buttons and find that information. So information is readily available. Um, But basically it's tape watching game, watching, talking to coaches, you're fortunate enough to go into practice, watch practice. Um, and my thing is, if, if a player or coach says something of interest to me, then I would think, well, if it's kind of attracted my ear, then maybe it would attract the viewer's ear. And I would try to get that information on the telecast.
0: Social media has drastically changed over the years, even in just like from last year to this year. Yeah. Tim Rushi says, how has social media maybe helped change the way young professionals can get their foot in the door working in sports.
1: Yeah, you know, this is a fascinating piece. You mentioned Cassidy Hubbard, my colleague at ESPN. And last year during the NBA finals and conference finals, Cassidy had a show on called Hoop Streams. So it's a Twitter-based show. And, you know, uh, the number of viewers they, wa- they had on that show during that time was absolutely mind-boggling. That is how the next generation of consumer watches games. That's how they want to get their content. So social media is changing our business. It's probably changing many people's business. What's fascinating to me is what's the next iteration. So the conference finals are on both TNT and, and and ESPN, and then the finals are on ESPN and ABC. You know, is there a time in the future where maybe it's not on a traditional You know, cable or uh, network. It'll be fascinating to see what the next iteration is. The one thing I know we can count on: change.
0: Okay, last question to end our time together. The Utah Jazz junkie says, "What's it like to be the goat?" And I'm here for that question. I'd like to know too.
1: (laughs) I have no idea because just I mean that would get job. Here's the one word I associate. When people call me the good, I think, boy, that just means you're oldest dirt.
0: <laughs> oh, my gosh. I'll never call you it again. I swear.
1: <laughs> no, not in a bad way. Just it's funny because, you know, it just reminds me of like, oh, you must be old.
0: <laughs> not at all. You're the LeBron James, the MJ of of color commentary. So let's go.
1: Oh, you are too funny. This has been delightful. Thank you for having me. And I am excited to get out to Utah. I can't wait to see, you know, they've been one of the best defensive teams. I cannot wait to see with the new weapons at his disposal. Quinn has always gotten his his players great shots. Really, to me, I'm so curious, what does the Utah Jazz offense look like this season? I'm really fascinated.
0: I think it'll be really interesting, you know, because as an organization, I think they knew if they want to get farther, there need to be some changes. Um, and to me, that starts at the point guard position. So I'm very interested to see what Mike Conley can do to facilitate that offense.
1: He's a pro's pro, Mike Conley. I think he's a tremendous fit there. I, I, he's one person I, when, when he was with Memphis and they were very good in the grit and grind, we had him in a Western Conference Finals. He was absolutely delightful. I can't wait to see him.
0: Doris, thank you. Talking hoops with the DB right now. I'm dead. Uh, I could, <laughs> I could cry. No, seriously. Um, I just, I do have to thank you again for, for all that you've done. You've been a great influence to me. Um, And have, you know, watching you has given me belief that I can do that too. And so thank you for your time today.
1: Yeah, my pleasure. My pleasure. Thank you.
0: For Doris Burke, everybody, I'm Amanda Smith. We'll catch you next time on How She Did It.